Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? All right. Well, unfortunately, Ann's not here today, but we have a really great guest with us. We have Ty Huffer. Ty is the president of the United Group. Um, And uh, Ty, welcome to Disarming Persuasion. Thanks, Dave, for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, You and I have spoken frequently over the last, it's probably been a couple of years now uh, with the pandemic holding things up. Um, so I don't know how familiar you are. I think I might have mentioned this to you in our in our pre-show interview, but we always like to start off with one question, and, and it's a simple question. The name of the podcast is Disarming Persuasion. What does that phrase mean to you? It's being a disruptor. Uh, you know, the, the industry and the environment that we are now, you, you just can't stay status quo. I think you, you've got to be out there looking at new things and, and being a, uh, an industry disruptor. Okay. And so how do you do that? What is it you, you do to be a disruptor? You know, we, we have a lot of uh, relationships with our suppliers, our preferred suppliers, and it's really for our members' sake and our members, Dave, our, our independent distributors in the Jansan food service disposable and packaging markets. And we have preferred suppliers such as SureTape, um, StoroPack, Georgia Pacific, you know, folks of, the, of that nature. And, and basically what we do is we want to challenge their, our suppliers to um, bring out new items, work with our folks and have them get, get to the places where, you know, uncovering new businesses where they wouldn't have that opportunity in the past and, and using our members as that, um, that opportunity, that, uh, uh, that way to, to uh, sell new customers. So for our listeners who may not be aware, because you have a kind of what I consider to be a relatively unique business model, right? You're not a company per se that buys or creates value, take, takes raw product, turns it into something else, puts value into it, or or provides a service to others in a sense of like, you know, computer or software, things of that nature. You're leveraging the strength of your members to get better buying options for these small independent companies um, that they otherwise couldn't get. Do, do I have that correct? Yeah, you're exactly right. We have over 350 member stockholders that are stockholders in the United Group, myself as president and vice chairman and our other executives, we do not have any equity position at all within our organization. All of our members own one voting share of stock and one share only. So it doesn't matter if you've been a member for you know, five years, 15 years or 15 months. You, you only have one share of stock and everybody has one vote. And we are there to kind of help everybody out, work with our preferred suppliers, as you said, that are buying from an SC Johnson 
or buying from somebody of those natures where one of our members is, has, is $2 million in size and the other one is $20 million in size. Uh, they can get on an equal playing field when it comes to buying from, from one of our preferred suppliers in regards to, to rebates and generating dollars and things like that. So it really is a unique perspective. And, and we don't keep any, any profits at the end. We, we give all of our, our money, these rebate dollars go back to all of our members. And, and after we pay all of our expenses and bills and things like that. So it's a, it's a pretty unique model. And it's been very receptive and we have uh, new distributors wanting to join the United group every week. Wow. So you, from a persuasion perspective, you actually have some real challenges that maybe um, our, our listeners can benefit from hearing because they're pretty unique. And I bet you've had some creative ways of overcoming them. You know, as I'm thinking about were I in your shoes, you have the, the the challenge of one convincing people that memberships to their benefit, and so if I'm a small guy, I might be thinking, "Well, sure, I'm going to get crushed because you know I'm going to be part of I'm going to be a small fish in this pond." And you've got you know larger players there who are going to have all the weight. And if if I'm a larger player, I'm thinking, "Wow, why would I want to you know uh, share my expertise with some of these small guys and my competitors?" So that's one aspect of, I think, that's a challenge. The other is you alluded to a minute ago, which is uh, convincing your preferred suppliers that you're, they should come up with something unique for your members, where they may not otherwise be thinking about doing that. So why don't we address those one at a time? Uh, what, what is the biggest persuasion challenge you think you face? You know, and, and that's great, Dave, because I actually... Uh, posed with that question every day. Uh, it's trying to, our industry is consolidating every day and it's consolidating with private equity dollars that are coming in and buying the independent distributor. So if you have a very successful independent distributor that's been around for 20 years, they're very profitable. They're in a specific market. Um, they're at risk of being, uh, you know, acquired. And the, the multiples that, that these private equity people are paying are pretty good when you look at a second or third or sometimes fourth generation business owner, when your dad, grandfather or grandfather has you know, taken all the bullets and uh, everything and, and built, built the company up to where it is today. And some of these second, third and fourth generation folks have not had to deal with a lot of the, the uh, pitfalls of, of building a business. And when you somebody, they come in and offer them a bunch of money, uh, it's very easy to, for them to just step away when they haven't known anything but success. So one of the persuasions that we have to look at is tell them that, you know, this is still a very viable business. The, you know, everybody is going to continue to need toilet paper. Everybody's going to continue to need chemicals. Everybody's going to need hand sanitizer. Uh, so, uh, trash bag uh, containers, um, food service disposable takeout items and things like that. So our business is always going to be around and we have to, you know, I have to convince those folks to, to don't take the easy way out. Don't take the dollars, continue to build your business now because it was worth X amount of dollars today. It's going to be worth X times, whatever that component is. 
in the future if you continue to do what's right and build that business. So uh, that's one of the that's one of the issues of, of persuasion that 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 we're dealing with. And you know the other thing is, you know, working with our suppliers, as, as you said, um, you know, we 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 start new value added programs and things to help that that member distributor understand that hey we've got a lot more value here it's not just about the dollars the rebate dollars that we that we get um i don't view us as a as a buoyant buying group i view us as a sales and marketing organization so my job is to put programs together so that member distributor doesn't want to sell and he wants and he can maximize his business as well as putting those value-added programs together with our suppliers so our suppliers know that the United Group is a group of 350, you know, distributors that we want to do business with because they value our product. We'll go out and, and sell um, systems and products, not just a, it's not just a price advantage. And the way I look at it to, again, to our suppliers is you can sell one of our customers that might be, you know, $5 million in sales, or you sell all of us together and we do $50 million in sales. There's, there's strength in numbers. So you actually brought up two really interesting scenarios for me. And I want to, I want to look at that first one, which is the um, uh, generational business, right? So as you pointed out, they didn't put in the sweat equity, the founders did, whether it was their father, grandfather, great-grandfather, right? And, and anyone of our listeners who's actually started a business, and you know, I'm on my third right now, knows that there's an emotional attachment to bootstrapping that company, however you did it, whether it's going out and, and, and finding investors or just you know coming out of pocket, bootstrapping it yourself, and then starting from scratch and building it and building it and building it until eventually you know, your son, daughter, or you know, takes over, and they don't know that hardship. And now you're faced with a situation where they're looking at selling to equity because, you know, it's, it looks like to them a windfall, right? Where to the founder, it's not a windfall. They know this is what they put in there and they may value that company uh, much more than an equity investor is willing to invest in. You see that happen all the time where, where founders feel it's worth a lot more than what the market thinks a business is. What's one technique you use to get that uh, second, third, fourth generation owner or owners to listen and be receptive to not selling and taking this windfall? So one of the things, one of the things that I've done, Dave, is I have started a young leadership group uh, in our, in our group. And basically this is, this is anybody that is, you know, uh, the next generation to take over the company, whether that be a son, daughter, niece, nephew, cousin, whatever. And we do that in a safe environment where your, you know, your, your dad, your uncle, um, they're not around. This is, this is, um, a safe place. We have some of our other mentors that um, are part of the organization that are our board, our board members or folks like that. And we, we do about a day and a half 
but a location, sometimes it's in Atlanta, uh, we've done Dallas, it's real centrally located, where these, these folks can get together and learn more about the business, not from the way that it was been handed down from grandfather to dad to what dad is telling me, because, you know, folks now, the way things were done, let alone in 2020, <laughs> are not the way things are done today. Um, and you can't say that, you know, in five, 10 years. So, so some of these ideas, and it's great for them to bounce them off other people and realize that, hey, this is a viable industry. This is something that I can continue to grow for my family. And I don't need to take, you know, I don't need to take the quick payday. And I think it just allows them to get different perspectives on how business is done. And there's not one, you know, there's not just one way just because, uh, you know, my grandfather and my father had told me the way to, to do this. And we get it from folks that are in that are the same similar situation that they're, in. you know, they're inheriting this business or they're taking it over and, and they've only known one way. And it's, it's, it's become a very good, safe environment for, for them to talk. It's been, it's been very successful. Yeah, I can imagine. So I bet you're reigniting some of their passion for the business as well. I know when, when you found a business, right, you're excited about what you're doing, not only are you building something which in and of itself is exciting, but you're also providing a service that's that's sorely needed and you recognize it. That's why you start whatever that business might be. That's why that gets started. Whether it was the United Group and, and that being started because people recognize there's some power in, in, in numbers or, or, or you're a janitorial company and you just, you know, you know that offices need to spend or companies need to spend their time doing their business, not cleaning up. And so, you know, you're, you're a janitorial company providing that outside service, but you're excited about it when you create the business. When you're born into it, it may not be that exciting. And it sounds like you're finding ways to instill that passion and excitement back into subsequent generations. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And, and again, you know, we're, we're doing some of the things that, that dad and, and grandfather didn't do, um, you know, marketplaces, for example, on, on our website. Um, you know, uh, partnering with, with folks that, and this may seem very, you know, elementary, but, you know, partnering with suppliers that um, can provide uh, websites for you where, where the people can go on the website and not just, you know, call in their order or whatever, they can place their order online and where we can, you know, where we start a marketplace on the United Group website, it's not a, it's not their individual website where, it can compete with the Amazons of the world. And if somebody wants a, a product, a, a specific product, and they, they go and they, they order that product and it has their area code in it, it is routed to our, to our member that is in that area code to service them. So, so yeah, that, that's the way Dave, we have to continue to evolve every day. And let's be honest, it's not that glamorous selling toilet paper. It's not that, it's not that glamorous selling hand sanitizer. And, and, um, but it, it is essential and it's necessary. And it's a, it's a billion dollar business annually. And those that do it well continue to be successful. And we've got to give them the opportunities to, to go out and be competitive with different sorts of, of value added propositions, whether that be getting them involved in a, in a uh, opportunity for a national account 
or new suppliers or new markets that that they never would have uh, thought about. Um, you know, for example, we had a we had um, a supplier call us up last month, and he was interested in joining the United Group, and he sells hotel amenities, the little shampoos, the you know the soaps and the shower caps and your sewing kits and all that stuff and. and and we never had a need for that before. We never had a need for that, but we we thought it was something that we would would um, be interested in, and we brought them in as a supplier. And as soon as we brought them in as a supplier and announced it to all of our members, we got emails and calls from our suppliers saying, "Hey, I was looking for somebody like this, or or I I needed somebody like this." And and, and ironically, two weeks ago, I had an inquiry from um, a supplier that did linens and um, shower curtains and things like that for the hospitality industry as well as the medical industry. So again, we never had anything like that before. And now within a span of about you know six weeks, we've had two suppliers come that we have added that we never would have added in the past. And it's, it's more tools to the toolbox for our folks to go out and be, and be successful. So it's just ever changing. Yeah, and it's funny you said you know toilet paper isn't very glamorous, and um, I guess if it's as long as if it's not studded with diamonds, it is, and if it is, it's kind of painful. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but reality, I mean, when I I do a, a three day um, a leadership intensive called the Accountability Academy, one of the first things we work on is what's your purpose, and if you think about it, and let's take something as as mundane as toilet paper. But do you think about what would the what would the world be like without it, right? It it it's a no kidding. Uh, it serves a real real health purpose, right? We're better off with it than without it. You can't imagine, you know, if you if you've ever traveled to a third world country and you've or or you've camped for a long period of time, that's one of those things you miss pretty early on if it's yeah. not available. Um, and so instilling that sort of passion for what you do, it, it's a critical part of anybody's success because if you're passionate about it if you're excited about it you're going to be more successful and it's easier to persuade people about things that you're passionate about yeah um, yeah you're exactly right it, it's you know I, I we talked about that you know i have a 14 year old son and and uh he's entering his his freshman year in in uh high school and he's he's on the skeet shooting team at school and, and he likes to play golf. And, and I said, you know, these are, these are two things that you can do for your entire life. As long as you, you know, when you're, when you're in your eighties, I said, it's, you know, it's hopefully something that, that, you know, that you can do with, you know, you're here, you know, your old man, uh, as, as I get older as well, I said, but, but he's, he's, he's good at it because he's passionate about it. And, you know, he's, he's battling Crohn's disease. He was diagnosed with Crohn's disease at 12 years old. So he was always the smallest guy. Uh, so he wasn't a, you know, he tried to play football, but he was too small. He tried to play basketball, but he was a little bit too small, even though he was pretty good at it, but nobody wanted to play him because he was always the smallest kid on the, on the court. So he found two, two sports where size didn't matter. And, and he became resilient and he became passionate about it. And, um, he had, he doesn't beat dad yet on the golf course, 
but um, eventually one day he will. And um, he's just, he's just so passionate about, you know, doing those things and being successful. And, and that's, that's half the battle. And uh, I'm glad he's got that uh, at 14 years old. Cause a lot of that stuff you can't instill them later on in life. It's, it's a, it's a, you've got resiliency is learned early on and, and those most successful people are the ones that, that are resilient. Yeah, absolutely. I find it fascinating that the two sports he took to both involve shooting birdies. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Clay pigeons in one case, but you know, close enough, right? That's right. So, so you know, you've had an interesting career yourself. Um, what have been some of the, you know, you came through the paper industry before you got here. What have been some of your biggest challenges and and successes right so your best successes often come from in fact almost always come from our biggest challenges so if you were to pick one that has a, a great persuasion lesson in it for our listeners what would that be you know um as you said dave i actually i started my career I, i'm at a group in a small town in ohio a town called Circleville, Ohio. And if anybody's from Ohio, they know about Circleville. It's the home of the pumpkin show. It's this festival that they do the, the second week of October every year. And they close the entire town down and, and everything is pumpkin imaginable. And it's about 13,000 people. So went to Ohio University and graduated from, from OU. And my first job sent me down to South Florida working for Dart Container, one of our suppliers uh, today, working, selling foam cups and then moved, as you said, to, to the Atlanta area with Bay West on the talent tissue and was given this opportunity to uh, become, you know, work for the United Group in 2014. So imagine, imagine telling your wife and, and your three kids and you come home, you live in the suburb of Atlanta, Roswell, Georgia, and you tell them we're moving to beautiful Monroe, Louisiana, because uh, dad's taking a new job. So um, we, we moved in 2014 with the um, premise that I was going in as the VP of sales to eventually become the, the president. You know, unfortunately, um, my predecessor got sick uh, with cancer. Um, he's, he's doing well, though. Um, and he bypassed me over for the job that I was, you know, supposed to be supposed to have. He did. He said I wasn't ready uh, to be the president and um, which was pretty demoralizing at the time. It was demoralizing to a lot of our, our members because they knew that I was brought in. But they brought a gentleman in to be the president and I continued to do my job and, and work hard. And needless to say, he lasted about eight months. Um, came in uh, and said that, uh, uh, my, again, my predecessor, who was the chairman at the time, said he had made a mistake. I was ready for the job. And they had fired the other individual. And uh, they named me as the president. And I've been the, the president ever since. So um, I, I very easily could have left. I very easily could have packed my family up and taken another job. Because our industry is a big industry, Dave, but it's also a small industry. And everybody knows everybody. And, and soon as that word got out, I had a lot of people calling me, offering me positions, offering me uh, uh, new jobs with competitors. But I, I wasn't going to do that. I, I, I felt that I was obligated to 
to um, the people that hired me and my members. And I knew I was capable of doing the job. And I knew I would eventually have that chance because um, you continue to do the right thing and you continue to be resilient. And ultimately, as I said, that that happened. In, and I've been the leader here for, you know, almost two and a half, three years. It, that story reminds me of uh, saying one of my last skipper, my last commanding officer when I was in the Navy, and this, I left in 1993, and it's stuck with me ever since. And he was one of these guys who uh, um, was really kind of hands off. He gave you some general direction. Here's the rules to work by and then trusted us to do our jobs. A really great, great uh, CO and a true um, role model as, as leadership goes. Uh, his name was George Lukauer, Luke Lukauer, Luke was his call sign. You could tell he was um, not a very colorful guy. Anyone who, whose call sign is based on their last name didn't get into a lot of trouble. And, yeah. uh, and he, Luke used to say, do the right things and things will happen right. And, you know, that's your story is exactly that. You did the right thing. You continued to do your job. You didn't take your backpack off. You didn't go looking for other places. You didn't whine and complain about being passed over. You just kept your nose to the grindstone doing what you're supposed to do. I imagine there were some challenges doing that at one level. And at another level, you know, it speaks to your character. And it paid off in a very short amount of time. Yeah, it, it, it did. And again, I I have to give hats off to my, uh, you know, to my parents, um, my dad, uh, and I, it's the same saying that I did. I tell my son every night, same thing that my dad said to me, my dad passed away in February of this year at 91 years old. He practiced law for 65 years. Dave it was going to be his 66th year of practicing law. And he was honored by the state of Ohio as the longest practicing attorney. He had, he was seeing clients up until the, the, the week before he passed away when he went to the hospital. So he said to me, and, and he, he grew, came up from humble beginnings. He was one of nine kids. He was the first of all nine kids to go to college. Um, and not only that, but graduate from law school. And he always said to me that um, our saying was, nothing is given, everything is earned. And I say that exact same thing to my son now, who's 14, is if you can just remember everything is, is nothing is given as everything is earned. And, and that goes back to the type of character you are, how you dress, um, what you present, because just because you think somebody else is not watching you, they, they, they are. And, and um, that's, uh, I don't know if we talked about this before, but you know, I used to referee college basketball. I refereed college basketball at the highest level division one. And um, I used to think that I was pretty good and then I should be in a certain Division One league quicker than I than I should have. But um, I had a veteran come up to me and say to me, "You know, if you work hard, you will get there. And timing doesn't matter because it's better to get there late and stay forever than it is to get there early and be gone too soon." Those are wise words. And uh, first of all, I'm sorry for your loss, and I rejoice in the fact that you got to have your dad with you for as long as you did. Um, not everybody is that lucky. And it sounds like uh, he was a great guy who uh, really just through his actions, continuing to practice law until he basically until he passed away, 
that just speaks volumes to his character and what he's about, which is, you know, uh, happiness comes from serving others. And that's why I'll never retire myself. I, I can't imagine what life would be like without doing this and, and helping other people. So, uh, as I said, my, my sympathies for your loss, but, and, and my celebration that you got to experience him for as long as you did. Um, I have to imagine that acting as you did with the character that you've shown has helped you tremendously because now people know that you, when you say something, you do something, right? And that's got to go a long way. Can you speak to that uh, for a little bit? Yeah. You know, as I said, Dave, it's, this is a, you know, it's a a large business industry that we're in, but it's also very small because everybody knows everybody. And I have a lot of competitors, you know, there are three or four other competing, uh, competing groups that we work with. And the biggest compliment that, um, that I, that I've ever had is, is one that, um, I got a, a couple of weeks ago is that, um, we have suppliers that call, call us, call me up and recommend, um, their mem- their customers that are parts of other groups <laughs> recommended to to the United Group, and if 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 we didn't stand for you know our, our moral compass and our integrity, you know we we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to get those compliments. And for a supplier that are multi million dollar you know suppliers that are supposed to be you know Switzerland neutral when it comes to things like that is it's it's very it's very humbling for us because um they know we're honest they know we don't hide anything everything is 100 transparent and um they know that that if we tell them something we're, we're going to do it and there's not a lot of people that that groups out there that are like that and we're we're very blessed that, that we're able to continue to do that and have that reputation and and um, you know, it, it's, it's really flattering when, when they, you know, people can say nice things to you, to your face. And that's one thing, but when they, but when they, they, they're the true, the true measure of your character is when they say those things, when you're not around to somebody else. So we've, we've, we've been lucky and, you know, and, and unfortunately, you know, we can't take everybody. We, we have some, some, uh, some markets that are saturated and we'd love to be able to, to have all our members, but we're not able to provide the quality and value that our members, these distributors need if we have more people in a market that then we can handle. It's just not fair. So, so there's some, there's some, some, you know, give and take in that. And sometimes you got to deliver the bad news and you tell them, Hey, we'd love to have you, but we've got, you know, our market is, is full at there, but, but, you know, we'll keep you, in mind in, in the future. Yeah. And again, that also speaks to your integrity because you, the, the members you have in those markets are counting on you not saturating the market for their livelihood. And so it makes perfect sense, which is, I suspect, why your suppliers are comfortable recommending you because they know that if you accept somebody, they're going to be in good hands. So we are coming to the end of our time together. I want to give you a chance to, if there's any uh, last words you want to leave our listeners with, last bit of advice or uh, anything really that you're, you want to share. Uh, no, Dave, it was, it was an honor. And um, 
you know, I'm, I'm flattered that, that you reached out to me and, and asked me to be a part of this podcast because I know that, that um, you have a great message and you have some great folks on here. And, and I hope I'm able to um, uh, at least hold up some of the my end of the bargain um, <laughs> as little as little as it may be. But but I just want to thank you for for taking time out of your schedule to to have me and, and hope we were able to um, help some some uh, some of your folks out. And if there's anything I can ever do in the future, please feel free to to reach out and, and call me. And, and thank you very much. Well, I appreciate that, Ty. And just in case any of our listeners out there are in uh, one of your industries and they, they want to reach out to learn more about uh, the United Group, how, how would they do that? So my email is tHuffer, H-U-F-F-E-R, at theunitedgroup.com. And my phone number is 318-331-6762. Great. All right, Ty. Well, thank you again. It's been a ton of fun. And uh, folks out there, we'll see you again next week. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them. Yeah.